Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Get Austin's take on what will be discussed amongst NIL, future scheduling, and much more. It's an impactful meeting that's coming up for the Southeastern Conference. We'll, we'll get Austin's take. Plus, in hour number three, Bobby Carpenter of uh, Carp's Corner, Sirius XM, college football. Last week, we discussed his interview with Nick Saban. Today, we will get his take uh, on all things college football, but also his first review, his initial takeaway from Top Gun Maverick because he will be 15 minutes removed from the end of that film where he was uh, taking his kid to, uh, surprising, I believe, his kid with going and watching Top Gun Maverick this afternoon. Looking forward to that chat. I predict this will be the most energized we've ever heard Bobby Carpenter coming off watching this film today. Which is saying something. Uh, James Worthy was saying something that was very intriguing, uh, pointing to the, the coaching aspect of the NBA and, and connecting that to the coaching that players of his era and the era right after his that they received in college for three or four years that a lot of the current players aren't getting. They're either one and done, they're two years in, and they're bolting for the NBA. In some cases, there are players who, of course, didn't even go to college. They went straight to either the D-League D or went straight from high school prior to the rule that are remaining in the league, like LeBron. Uh, but James Worthy's not referring to the LeBrons of the league. He's talking to the depth of the league and pointing out that the style of play that everyone's complaining about right now or the lack of cohesion from team to team, he believes has a lot to do with the lack of coaching that they're getting at that age between 18 and 24 when a lot of players develop into the pros that we see today. The average age of the NBA All-Star is between 26 and 27 years old. But to get there, you've got to develop whenever you're first entering the league, and a lot of times we're not seeing that come to fruition. I think too many are going to miss the point of what Worthy is saying, and he's making some very good points because of what he says at the end of it, and they're going to focus on that. He says, Kareem had four years with John Wooden. Michael Jordan and I had three years with Dean Smith. Isaiah Thomas had some years with Bobby Knight. You learned the fundamentals. Not only that, you you not only that you learned how to live. You learned how to balance your freaking checkbook in college. There's a lot of things. When you don't get that, guys are coming to the NBA who are not fundamentally sound. All they do, this is what people are going to focus on, all they do is practice threes, lift weights, get tattoos, tweet, and go on social media. That's about it. So people are going to take that and say, oh, James Worthy's an old man who's out of touch talking about tattoos is some negative or whatever. But what he's saying holds a lot of water. 
I mean, we're talking about the creme de la creme, the legends of the NBA throughout history yes. that all spent time under legendary head coaches in college that helped mold them. Um, he brings up something. For, he said, Bill Russell told me when I got in the league that with the Celtics, almost every play they ran, they had five options of shooters uh, in that play. He said, you're not going to get that much now with isolation and how offense is run in the NBA. I think what he said is completely true. It's not universal throughout with every player that doesn't go to college for you know two or three years or four or whatever, but he's right for the most part outside of the superstars of the league. You can be an old man hearkening back to the good old days, and you can be right. Yes. And, and that's what he is here. You know, and not every guy of his era had you know, spectacular uh, coaching or was coached by a Hall of Fame guy. I don't know who Dr. J's coach was at UMass. Right, but um, you know he, he certainly spent time in college. But I think his point too is how how long was Dr. J at UMass? Yeah, right. You know, so wherever he was, like he learned a little bit about life and played longer in college. So he was a little bit closer to a finished product by the time he got to yeah. the NBA and more of an adult once he he got there, who who experienced some life. I, I think it's a, a completely valid point um, that. That, uh, you know, once you hear him say it, you think, wow, that's pretty obvious. But when's the last time we kind of discussed it in this uh, inside of this frame? I, I don't think it's been very recent. So um, I, I, I applaud it. And I don't think we hear from James Worthy very often. Um, so I, I was happy to hear from him. I think it's a good point. And I think it's part of the reason the NBA has lost some of uh, its, its, its luster. I mean, I've said for a long time, it's way too much of an isolation game. Yes, it is. And, and that's the number one reason uh, I, I don't find it enjoyable to watch. They, uh, Dr. J, by the way, played two years at UMass. And then he, was, he was gone to the ABA at that point, the Virginia Squires. I mean, the, and he's, he's referring to the Lakers here, too, who still don't have a head coach, which is just mind-boggling to me. Um, that, you know, he, he's talking about the players that have been in and out of the organization while they've been trying to – retool instead of rebuild and where they go from here with Westbrook and LeBron with reports that Phil Jackson would rather rebuild with Westbrook on the roster and reports that he would recommend they, they trade LeBron. If they're going to trade one of the other, they would trade LeBron for the return on investment. But Worthy says, Hey, we've had some good players. We've had Brandon Ingram and uh, Julius Randle and Lonzo ball. We've tried to win quickly, but you know, in Kobe's last few years, we brought in Steve Nash. He was a little bit older, and Dwight Howard came back and uh, came back from his back injury, and we traded away draft picks to try to win immediately. And I think they're going to have to really think about how they need to build. And then he goes back through. It's tough to build like the way the Lakers need to build in the NBA because of the development of the player that you're looking for. Well, and he cites three different teams to watch and how it's done the way he'd like to see the Lakers do it. Memphis. He said, you watch Boston right now? Yes. And how they were built? And Milwaukee, you know, are the three blueprints for what he'd like to see from the Lakers. It's interesting, and he's not wrong. I will say I understand Jeannie Buss and the Lakers thinking of, we're the Lakers, we can attract the top free agent every year, or at least be in the mix for them, so we don't have to do a full reset and rebuild. We can shuffle the lineup and try to get something new in year after year. That's not working. They need to reevaluate and probably go with what James Worthy is saying, even if that means a couple of years where you're not as competitive. 
but build it from the ground up that way around young star players, and then you add the veteran pieces in after that, he's not wrong. I also can understand the Lakers thinking of, now we'll just go get the top free agent right. or make the big trade so we're relevant because we're the Lakers, and we're going to be relevant every year no matter what. And he's right, I mean, he's right in thinking, look at the Brooklyn Nets as an example. Uh, the Nets barely made the playoffs because he's like, yeah, Worthy says every team goes through these injuries. It's unacceptable just to point to that for the Lakers. Look at the Nets. You know, the big three is an illusion because while you're still going through the injuries, you have to have the depth and you have to have the player improvement and development behind those guys in order to keep pace to where you need to be come playoff time. So the fact that you're not able to do that is embarrassing as a former member of the organization pointing to the Lakers that they couldn't battle through based on the, the roster building that had been going on. And how about the apparent final three for the job? Golden State assistant Kenny Atkinson, Milwaukee assistant Darvin Ham, and former Trailblazers coach Terry Stotts. I go mean, go with one of the assistants. Here's, here's my thinking on that. I am so tired of the retread guys. So you're out on Stotts. Go, go if, if you have got, gotten to this level, right? Juwan Howard has turned you down. And all these other people that they've talked to about the job has turned down the Lakers. Yeah. Go with one of these assistants that's in uh, an organization right now that has been good, that's been innovative. And we're talking about what? A Warriors assistant? And a Bucks. And a Bucks assistant. And Darvin Ham. Darvin Ham played in the league also. I, I say go that direction. Well, Give a new guy a shot. I'm, I'm with you for most jobs in the league. But, I mean, I think, uh, and I have been saying, the Lakers have to be able to attract somebody a, better. Yes. Yeah. I, I agree, but I'm saying if it's if it's to this point, I'd prefer they give a new guy a shot at a head coaching job. Sure. But the the thing about the you know, when McVeigh McVeigh ends up he's the head coach of the you know, the LA Rams, whenever he got the gig, you know, that was the you looking over you're looking at Washington going, look at the connections here, and his name was mentioned well before he got the job. And everybody now, was high on it. Yeah, but everyone was surprised. Was you know, man, like they, they've early. gone really young, you know. They, but there was a buzz to it. There, I don't – I mean, with the NBA, it is so difficult to learn about any of these coaching staffs because there's just a retread over retread. And then the young guys, I mean, it's few and far between whenever you see a, a, a coach that jumps to the ranks that has the young the, – the young – uh, coach that jumps up and has the opportunity to lead because it uh, most of the time you're looking at a guy who's been on a staff for a decade or has been an assistant coach for a decade in the league has been elevated from the D league and is doing something that's in an in interim and then keeps his job or he's a fired head coach that's getting the job again to what Chad's saying so it's Quinn just a Snyder, lot of retreads Quinn Snyder had no interest coming from Utah Joan Howard had no interest coming from Michigan once upon a time I mean we're talking about it with Dockage you know you would drop everything to go coach. Yeah, I mean, and, and once upon a time, we would be hearing Calipari and Jay Wright and all these. Coach K. Coach K. Who was a finalist for the yeah. job a couple different right, times. Right, I mean, it, we were just, we're not hearing that here. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a good sign. But that's also a sign that these coaches uh, with their teams, their PR teams, I'm saying, their, their PR and management teams on where they're going next, don't see this as a quick fix. Right, you've got LeBron at 37. You've got Westbrook, and according to reports, the the Lakers ownership team they're saying that in in the interviews they're asking these guys, "How are you going to integrate Russell Westbrook into what we're doing long term?" 
So it's not like a, hey, my, my plan's not to have Westbrook here. You better have a plan to keep Westbrook around, according to the, the reports. All that's very intriguing to me because it's not the Lake show. It's not how this has been treated this offseason. No, I would love for them to be able to, uh, just for my interest, to be able to drop a bunch of money into Jay Wright's lap and lure him out of retirement to give the NBA a chance and then be the Lakers coach. That would be a lot of fun to watch. Terry Stotts is 64 years old. He coached for George Carl for a number of years, got his chance after the, the Mavs won the title in 2011 with the Hawks and then eventually the Blazers. I mean, we're talking about a guy who got his head coaching start later in life as a 64-year-old retread versus some younger coaching options Darvin that have Ham's not had a chance yet. Darvin Darvin Ham, Darvin is, Ham 48. is 48, huh? Wow. Yeah. And, uh, I remember when he broke the backboard in the game yeah. for Texas Tech. Can, can still see it right now. Zion Williamson. Uh, Atkinson's 54. So 50, there you go. There's our guy. There's right in the middle. Guy. Let's meet in the middle. 54. You got a 48, 54, 64. That's going to be the, the selection process now. Let's go with that 54-year-old. P- pick, uh, pin the tail on the donkey at this point right now. Kenny Atkinson's your guy. Zion Williamson is set to uh, sign uh, an extension. He's eligible uh, for a five-year extension uh, this offseason. It's a five-year, $186 million oh. rookie contract. That's the max. And the reports are he's, he's going to be doing that with New Orleans this summer. Um, when asked about the extension on April 29th, he said, of course, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to sign it fast enough. Of course, after uh, all this great play. Of course, yeah, yeah with the I right foot that? issues and uh, his, his weight. Uh, uh, he spent all the time on the sideline and in the training room. Uh, of course, have to be he would nervous sign that. as hell about yeah. that. But at the same time, what, what option do you have? There's also kind know? of a celebratory feel about him getting cleared. I mean, he got cleared here in May. When did training camps start up? I mean, his foot could break uh, between now and then. October. Um, yeah, but he, he was, he's been cleared to play without restriction. And the talk was that the, the Pelicans had an outside shot of making the playoffs. And that if they did that through the play-in, he that he was going to return now. Um, so he's that far along. Is there reason for optimism with that? I mean, there should be from New Orleans because they're finally going to see him. If, I'm if, scared to death of the guy. Think, think about where we were whenever he was selected and how quickly they sold out of season tickets that night. And you know, where they, they are now. And, and now that investment that's been made from the fan base at, that, you know, at the arena, and you know, they, they completely rebranded their team um, – and it's not just them. It would have gone that way whoever won. I mean, I remember yeah. we were oh, ta- yeah. I was talking about yeah. the Knicks. And the Knicks fans were fired up. They wanted to win him. It was going to be the next Patrick Ewing lottery. And, and that was going to be the rebranding of the Knicks. And the Knicks were finally going to get a stud. Yeah, there was no Zion-Jaw debate. I mean, it's fun to look back now and no. say, man, what would have happened if John Morant would have gone first? But no one was debating that. It was Zion Williams. It was the clear number one pick, whoever won that lottery. And it's weird for me to say, but I look at Zion right now, if he does not change his diet, his exercise routine, and get slimmer, these foot-ankle issues are going only going to proceed. He's 21 years old. Yeah, It's weird for me to say. I feel time. like a 21-year-old is done unless, unless we see a completely new and improved Zion Williams. He needs his Moses back. Malone, right? That, the way Moses Malone talked to Charles Barkley, he needs somebody like that. I don't know who it's going to be. Or it's going to be somebody on his team or somebody from the outside, but he needs a big you know, influence to get they, on him about what it means yeah, to we, his future. We know You're how not just fat he is. now, 
But your 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 fatness is gonna it's gonna continue bang on to, that foot and maybe, those feet and those ankles for a long time. Maybe I'm not if they ups if they then it wasn't gonna happen. But if they pulled the upset over the Suns and made a deeper playoff run. Maybe we see him, and maybe that actually jump starts what he needs going into the offseason because you get into a, a ri- some type of rhythm, right? You don't have to ramp back up um, after all the workouts to get cleared, to play the five-on-five, to g- get medically cleared. So I, I think he's put in the time and effort, um, and if they just win a series and he's able to come back a little bit earlier, a month or two earlier, and just get some, get some wear and tear going – at 21 years old. That could help him for next season. But I think he's slow out of the gate next year. And, no, I wouldn't be optimistic at all with this. The next injury is happening because of what Chad pointed out. I think any time we start to think, man, maybe someone's just different. You know, we know athletically Zion Williamson is different with his size and his explosive ability and his leaping ability and everything else. But eventually, you know, Mother Nature is going to come to haunt you. And if you're that big and you're jumping that high and you're landing that hard and you're moving that fast, your feet will not stay on you. Your ankles are going to give out. Then your shins are going to be a problem. Then your knees are going to be a problem. Then your hips are going to be a problem. We've had this discussion with Derrick Henry. Well, maybe he's just different, right? Maybe all those carries aren't going to take a, a, a toll on him like other guys. And he's very different in many ways, but you have a Jones fracture this year it always is going to come back to get you if it's that level of wear and tear. He's going to have to learn that he's going to have to shed about 45 pounds if he's going to be able to play a while in the NBA. 85 games. That's how many games he's played since he entered the league three years ago. So he's played an equivalent of one NBA season in three years for the New Orleans Pelicans. It's crazy. Coming up, Austin Price will join us. We talk SEC football, including the Tennessee Volunteers and where we're headed with these SEC spring meetings. Austin Price next on OutKick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Austin, hope you're doing well, sir. I'm doing great, guys. How are you? We're doing, we're doing well. Before we kick things off with some topics, Chad, give Austin the options on today's poll question for Outkick 360 on what, oh. where he would vote among the four options going into Memorial Day weekend. Um, because I, I think Austin, he would vote multiple ways if given the, the chance to do this. I think he's taking this, the fifth option. He can only choose one. Um, the options, Austin, 
drinking lake pool. That's option number one. You, you get the gist of where we're going with that. Number two, NBA and NHL playoffs. Number three, Indy 500 and Coca-Cola 600. Number four, Top Gun Maverick and Stranger Things Season 4. What are you most excited about looking forward to? And I guess we could add like cookout to the drinking lake pool part of this for this weekend. I, I will add uh, I'll add Obi-Wan Kenobi on to the, yeah, that's, to the Top Gun. People on Twitter added that on. That's a good one. So I'll go the last one. I'll go Top Gun. I, 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 I'm not seeing any spoilers on the general's quarters, but I've seen enough to know that people are really bragging on this movie pretty hard. And so uh, I really want to see that. And then I did get to watch the first two episodes of, uh, of uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi this morning. So Was it uh, good? It was really good, yes. Nice. I'll, I will be watching that at some point over the next couple weeks as well. I thought he might uh, campaign for a fifth slot for golfing. <laughs> Potentially, no, it, it depends on where we're playing. You know, I'm waiting. I'm waiting on Hutton to call me with a with a key invite when I'm in Nashville for CMA Fest here in a couple of weeks. All right, so. I got you. I got. I've got to, get that I invite. Got you covered. Uh, Austin Priceless on Twitter is how you can follow Austin there. Um, right after the weekend, uh, Tennessee's contingent will join the rest of the SEC for the SEC meetings. NIL is going to be on full display, among other topics. It, it's it's a very newsworthy week. We're about to enter Austin. Uh, where the SEC, as, as always, will be the leaders of the pack. Nationally, we will be looking at the news that comes out uh, through Commissioner Sankey and through individual leadership at all of the representative schools as to where we're headed with all this and the direction that the leadership wants to go with name, image, likeness, with transfer portal, uh, with scheduling, future scheduling. I'm sure that'll be a topic. Set the scene for us. Well, I mean, NIL is where everything's going to start. Um, uh, and, you know, trying to get, you know, some semblance of kind of control of everything. Again, I don't think that, that we have an NIL problem. I don't think we have a transfer portal problem. What I think you have is a combination of the both. Like, I mean, if you think about it, like they all came about, they both came about in a matter of months. And so all of a sudden kids could just go wherever they wanted to if they've never transferred before and it, they could play right away. It became instant free agency. Then you insert NIL and there's enough back channeling going on across college football. This isn't just an SEC thing. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a college football issue that, you know, you've got players at other schools calling their buddies who they've known for years going, hey, man, you've had a really good first two years here, but we really need a, a wide receiver and you could be the guy to help us get over the top. Our NIL people would probably be reaching out to you. You know, and all of a sudden you see, you know, I mean, think about it, you know, the kid at Pittsburgh, he, he was going to USC the whole time. Same thing with Caleb Williams. You know, when Caleb Williams wasn't even in the portal yet, I had people on the West Coast telling me he's going to USC. And it was the same playbook. He went in the portal, took a bunch of faux visits, as Jordan Addison did, and then ended up what? Picking USC. That way they could go, well, I've tried, I looked around, it was just the best place for me. That, that, how do you get control of that? To me, that's the far greater issue because I can promise you the, the players like Aaron Donald or, you know, or even a guy like Larry Fitzgerald, and apparently we're picking on Pittsburgh here because you just start rolling down the, the, the Panthers, uh, the great Panthers over the years. But, like, they end up out of if they're playing in today's game. I probably say no because, you know, you have so many – 
uh, schools, you know, trying to cherry pick and, you know, Nick and, and Jimbo can sit there and, you know, jab each other back and forth. I think they both look like hypocrites because, you know, if they're, no one's believing that, you know, all the kids that went to Alabama just because I'm not saying they got paid. You know, I, I think a lot of the stuff that gets thrown out there about numbers is, is outlandish, you know, but at the same time, I mean, like they're not going there for free. You know, that's just not happening. And so, like, the whole lunacy that, that they are is just silly to me. So, I, I think ultimately you're going to talk about NIL. You're going to talk about transfer pools. Can they control the transferring? You know, can they make it where you've got to go and, and be at a school through two seasons of your sport? So, two basketball seasons or two football seasons. And then you're eligible to transfer without penalty and be eligible to play right away. You know, I think that's a possibility. I, you know, I, I ultimately just think that you've got to have some tweaks here because right now it is the wild, wild west. And I don't know how anybody but Congress can get it under control, fellas. And I'm not sure they want to get involved in that. They've kind of drove their line in the sand on a lot of this stuff. They're not going to tell an 18-year-old that he's capped at making 12000 a month if he can make 40000 a month. Yeah, it's certainly a player's market right now as opposed to maybe a fan's market of what would be best for the sport as a whole. Question for you, you mentioned Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban, uh, Austin. Do you think that they're really not going to speak to each other ever again and that they're not ever going to come to some? I'm not going to say they're going to be buddies, but do you think what Jimbo Fisher said when he said, no, we're done, we're not speaking, is really going to be the case? Or do you think they get together in Destin at some point because they have so many mutual friends and coaching down there and they sit down and hash things out to some extent? I think that'll be up to, to Jimbo. I mean, I think Nick's already, you know, extended the olive branch by making a, a phone call, you know, and if Jimbo doesn't want to talk to him or doesn't want to take his call, then that's on him. You know, ultimately that's all you can do. That's all anybody can do. If you've made a mistake is admit, Hey, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Then it's on the other side to either accept it or not accept it. And, you know, they said alphabetical at SEC spring meetings. And I'm fairly certain that, uh, they're not straight across the table from one another, but I think it's kind of like one more chair over and they're, but they're basically right across the table from one another. Um, so I want to go with, uh, you know, this is on Jimbo. Jimbo's going to have to decide to, you know, accept it or not accept it, but ultimately it doesn't really matter. I mean, you know, these guys are going to do what they continue to do for all these years. And, you know, it just got to be a little bit more exciting with the, the verbal jabs and sparring back and forth last week. But, you know, it's not like these two guys have been bosom buddies uh, over the years. So, you know, now it's just a little bit more fun for all of us to to laugh at all the, the nonsense. And we did it the right way. We did. Yeah, we did. Sure you did. On the football scheduling front, uh, it's hard for me to imagine you wouldn't have uh, more locked in rivalries than than fewer. Do you really think there's a scenario where they, they wouldn't lock in as, as many as possible? And I don't know because, I mean, some of them are so tried and true, you hate to lose them, but, like, at the same time, you know, does that create an, uh, an imbalance? You know, I, I think, you know. Well, do we care about Arkansas, South Carolina as an example? No. Right? Or uh, Missouri and Texas A&M as a rival. Th- those are the constant opponents right now outside the division. Are, are we all hell-bent on keeping those games going? For some of these schools, I understand but you got Tennessee, do it Florida, Tennessee, Georgia, ones. Tennessee, Alabama, from Tennessee's perspective, are three but, really but, big but games every year, right? Is that fair to Tennessee no, to do that? No, it's not fair, but I'm saying those at least are games that people pay attention to. 
and sure. watch every year, right? I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm agreeing with you, Austin, because I don't think that's the case for every school in the conference where you have these three no-brainer, oh, we must have these games. What are Vanderbilt, what's Vanderbilt's program going to say? We cannot lose these three opponents every year. <laughs> I mean, who are they caring about? But I'd argue you have to preserve the good ones uh, in exchange for the bad ones. Well, I don't disagree with Paul, but at the same time, I mean, what you end up, end up running into is a core group of teams that play. I mean, look, you got Florida and Georgia, the cocktail party. You got Auburn and Georgia, which is the longest running rivalry in the SEC. Then you got Georgia, Tennessee. Out of those three, Georgia, Tennessee would be the least of those three. So, like, you probably call that one, right? You end up with Florida, LSU. You end up with Tennessee, Alabama. You all have Auburn, Alabama. I mean, like, you, you, you end up with an inevitably like this core group of five or six schools that have the biggest games. Well, what's that, what's that do to Texas A&M, Texas, Oklahoma? Like, you know, do you just say, hey, you're going to go back to those old, you know, those old, you know, Big 12 conference days and, and those are who you're going to play? I, I just think that it, you run into problems where it, it's hard to make a balanced schedule if you try to preserve every game or nearly every game. I just think that's where it gets hard because Tennessee, you don't think Tennessee wants to play the beer barrel game with Kentucky? Tennessee wants to play Vanderbilt, obviously, you know, because, I mean, that's their in-state rival. So, you know, it's interesting to kind of see how all this, you know, shakes out. But, you know, I I think that's where the conference has got to come up with some scenario that preserves the best games they can. But I don't think you can preserve them all. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Austin Price, VolQuest.com is our guest. So, Austin – I went on a radio station in Provo, Utah yesterday, and they were all over me wanting to wanting answers on why Tennessee is ducking BYU and paying the money to not go to Provo and play BYU. And they said, look, our fans love their trip to Knoxville. It's one of the best places they've ever been for a football game, and they were looking forward to hosting Tennessee fans in Provo, Utah for the game. Um, we asked Brent Hubbs about this, and he talked about the mutually beneficial nature of it for both Tennessee and BYU. Are you buying that? I, I, it's hard for me to say Tennessee's ducking anyone when they got out of that game and didn't play UT Martin. They're playing Virginia instead and not at home. So what, what do you make of all this? Well, financially, it makes more sense for Tennessee. You know, you're, you're, you're not out any money. You're going to have to pay $2 million to BYU. Now you're not having to do that, and you're going to get, you know. Well, they were going to make money, money from BYU, right? Was, it, was BYU not going to pay them something to go there? No, 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 oh, no, no. Okay. Tennessee was going to have to pay. Tennessee was going to have to pay two million to get out of that game, and now they no longer have to. Um, you know, because the National Sports Council stepped in. And no, I'm saying, what would have happened if they played the game? Wasn't BYU going to play them? They were going to play them. Yes, uh, to I, pay I, I them. I'm but BYU didn't necessarily. They, they would have played Tennessee. They didn't necessarily really want to play Tennessee because they also play Arkansas the week before, plus their Big Twelve conference schedule you know, because they go into the big 12 now. So it was one of those deals where it was, it was mutually beneficial for all parties. BYU doesn't have nearly the tough schedule that they had. They get $2 million. Tennessee doesn't have to pay $2 million. Instead, they get a neutral side game inside their own state where they're the home team with SEC officials. So it, it, again, I think Brent puts it in a good way. I understand why BYU fans feel the way they feel. I mean, I wanted to go to Provo, Utah. I was looking forward to going on that trip. I miss the days. I miss the days of home and homes. 
when Tennessee went to Notre Dame, when Tennessee went to Oklahoma, when Tennessee went to Cal, Oregon, UCLA. You know, I, I miss those days. I hate neutral site games. I mean, I, I hate them. Like, you know, Danny White is on the record with Brent Hubbs last week saying he doesn't really want to play neutral site games. Sometimes, though, financially, they're the ones that make you the most money. And so sometimes you do do that. But I would like to see Tennessee get back to playing home and homes, but only if they're going to do an eight-game conference schedule. If they're going nine and you're playing the murderer's row schedule of this league, now you add Texas and Oklahoma to the mix. I just don't think Tennessee or any school in this league can afford to go and play another Power Five school, um, you know, on the road uh, in their stadium, you know, and it just doesn't make much sense because I just think that you take too much of a risk there because of all the, you know, all the the weight of losses and, and, and scheduling and how quick, you know, schools are to move on from coaches. Coaches aren't going to want that. You, you, I don't think any coach is going to want to say, hey, you have to sign me up to go to Ohio State or – you know, go to Oregon or wherever when I've got to play nine conference games in this league. Austin, if we're uh, if you're making a futures bet right now, is that Nico's first game? Is Nico starting for the Tennessee Volunteers as they take the field at Nissan Stadium against BY or against uh, Virginia? Excuse me. I would I would I would lean yes. Starting the career, think, okay. I don't yeah. think it's a locked in deal. Yeah, right, again, right. I know fans. It's a I gamble. Fans, I, I'm asking you to gamble. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's where I would lean. Now, I know fans are going to, like, go, oh, my God, no. But, like, Joe Milton has another year. So, it depends on where they feel like he's at. Has he progressed? I mean, take away the overthrows. He didn't play that terrible. I mean, I, again, I get it. I get it. Wow. I get it. What, I, <laughs> what a combo. I get it. <laughs> those, those were – there are a lot of overthrows, though. So take, away, take away half it. his yeah. throws. Take away all those missed touchdowns. Hey, that he threw Austin, through guys. take away the overthrows and the dudes take, in the NFL the, right now. Yeah, take, take away the three water hazards I hit him to and the four out of bounds shots, and I broke nine. Austin, right? I, mean, I mean, you, you, I get it. I get you it. take away the overthrows and the guy is Hendon Hooker. He's in the <laughs> NFL. Yeah, but, yeah he had Hendon Hooker season. How many how many times have you seen a player seeing the light click? You know, you, you continue to develop. Everybody develops at their own different pace. Look at Tennessee. Theo Jackson a year ago, I would have laughed at you if you told me he was going to have the season that he had last year and be drafted in the NFL. And yet he continued to get better. He continued to work. Willie Martinez got the most out of Theo Jackson. Here he is, the member of the Tennessee Titans. I would have laughed at you had you told me Cedric Tillman was going to have over 1,000 yards at this, at this one point a year ago. So who knows what happens? Look at Jalen Hyatt. Everybody's hoping he can kind of see the potential – that you know he shows the flashes of, he could be that thousand yard guy this coming year. Who knows? But based off of last year, you you'd feel kind of silly saying that, right? So it, it feels silly saying that about Joe Milton. But a year later, who knows? Again, I lean Nico that being his first start, but you just never know how all this stuff's going to play out. How big is this weekend for Tennessee football recruiting, Austin? It's big. It's really big. I mean, you look at all the players they've got coming in, and obviously, you know, having Nico back here is kind of that like representative of the 23 class is big. Um, you got all the commits coming in. You've got three official visitors: Vic Burley, Lucas Simmons, Bryson Sanders from Chattanooga Baylor, and uh, and then you got a host of really really good players that are in town: Tamarion Parker, Sean Davion Bradley. You know, you, you go right down the list. Some really high-end guys, Christian Conyers, which is just, you know, 45 minutes north of you guys there in Bowling Green, Kentucky. He's in. Um, 
you know, as a, as a corner. So, you know, this is a big weekend for Tennessee. And I think the biggest thing is, is the players that are here for multi-day visits that are unofficials that will in turn turn around in three or four weeks from now, depending on when they officially visit in June, we'll see Tennessee again a second time in the course of a month. I think that's where you really make some really big movement led by, in that case, Francis Maui, Mauing Oa, Mauing Oa is what I'm told is how it's pronounced. Good Francis Mauing Oa. And he uh, will get here later today and he'll be here through uh, the weekend. And so again, like he'll be back officially in the month of June. So it's a big weekend. Nice couple of days for Tennessee basketball today. Santi Vescovi announces he's got his name out of the NBA draft altogether. Coming back yesterday, Austin, Kate Phillips becomes the first commitment for the 2023 class. What can you tell us about the forward from Alabama? Stretch forward, can, can play with his back to the basket down in the post, but can also step out and knock down a 20-footer. You know, um, you know, right-hander, um, has some really nice hops to him. And, uh, again, is a guy that that's really, I think, uh, you know, pretty basketball-savvy, polished um, as far as his game uh, speaks for itself. And so – you know, can they add the Edwards kid, Justin Edwards? Like that to me is a, a big, you know, how you take that class and all of a sudden you really stack it, you know, with Cade and then Justin Edwards potentially. It's how you continue to build off of what uh, they've gotten done the last little bit here um, out of this 22 class, you know, with uh, Julian Phillips. Austin Price of VolQuest.com has been our guest. Austin, thank you as always. Uh, hit them straight and we will catch up with you next week. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks Austin. Week coming up. Hit him sure. straight. That's right. Austin Price uh, or Brent Hobbs or both with us weekly. Uh, VolQuest.com. They get it done on Tennessee Athletics. They will have a ton of coverage from the SEC meetings uh, down in Destin. All, all coming your way next week with a lot of people uh, making and voting on plenty of decisions there. Uh, what do we want to see out of the SEC spring meetings and, and the discussion led by Greg Sankey? That's next on Now Kick 360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. To me, everything can be summarized with the word leadership. And that has been what the SEC has been great at across the college landscape over the last decade, two decades plus. But... What I, what I truly want to see is something that I don't think will ultimately happen, but I would be on board with. And it's Commissioner Greg Sankey taking to the podium and laying out the results of the meeting and saying, here is our plan and direction. And he runs through it and he says, by the way, our doesn't just include the Southeastern Conference. This is what we believe is best for the future of college football and the future of college athletics. This is our focus and mentality as a collective body and group for the 14 in this room and the two that will join down the line and whoever else would like to join us in attacking NIL uh, in, 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 in 
terms of how they're going to not police it, but rein it in, put guardrails up for, for every opportunity to have some sense of focus and narrowed approach to what it's about and what it, more importantly, what it's not about. And where we're going with scheduling and everything else, I, I just want leadership. We're going to see it, but I want to see it times 10 next week. Well, I think, I think they've got good leadership. We know that. But I, I think it's hard to lead on the one issue that's my biggest thing, which is the scheduling, which we just talked about a little bit. Because I, I don't think there's a win-win situation on the scheduling. I think if you go with the thing where you, you maintain the rivalry games for the teams that have an automatic three rivalry things, then you get where Chad said where you're forcing kind of uh, annual matchups for teams that don't have rivalries and you're trying maybe to build them, but it doesn't really live up. Or you go the other direction and then you're seeing games that you want not played frequently enough like we've seen in some other conferences. I can't remember the examples, but where you say, hey, when do you think the last time Team X has played at Team Y and it's been a dozen years or nine years or some crazy things like that. I don't think there's an easy situation and there's not like a compromise in the middle. So I don't think even great, the best minds in college football can just come up with a plan that fixes it. I think you have to pick a poison, a less bad scenario instead of a great scenario, which is going to be one of the disappointing things about what we're winding up with 16 team conferences. That's just going to be a, a lesser thing for college football in terms of the schedule. First thing I want to see is a slap fight between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban. Probably won't happen, but I'd be. love to see that. Second thing I want to see is a uh, Kirby. I'd say Kirby. So I'm Kiffin. trying to think. I'm trying Kirby to think Allen, of the, Kirby? Yeah, Kiffin, Kiffin would be better. Kiffin would be better. I was I was thinking of the who's the Saban assistant. That'd be good. Kiffin's a good one. Um, second, I want to see a scheduling plan moving forward for when they add Texas and Oklahoma. Let's go ahead and, and knock that out. They need to control what they can control. They're not going to be able to come out and say this is the rule for all of college football, but they need to find an emphasis on this the, the, the NIL stuff. And I'm, I'm with Austin Price. I think the emphasis needs to be more on how do we stop existing college athletes from popping their head out into the portal going to the highest bidder and leaving programs that recruited them and brought them in originally to go somewhere else. I think that is more devastating to the sport than some kid getting paid in high school because kids have been getting paid in high school for years to go to a school. But at least when they get paid in high school, you want to see them at least three years at that Mm -hmm. program. Yes. If you're a fan of the program, if you're a fan of the conference, if you're a fan of the sport, you want guys to be synonymous with those schools they attend and where they play. You don't want a bunch of Jordan Addisons out there. You don't want guys taking money out of high school and then a year later after they have a great freshman year, popping their head up like the whack-a-mole game in the transfer portal and someone with a big mallet with the biggest money comes in and whacks them back down and then puts them back out to their school. The SEC needs to lead in this. I don't think you're going to have this wide net that's going to solve all the problems of college football coming out of spring meetings. But you can come out of that saying, guys, let's keep our eye on the ball. And the ball right now is the transfer portal and what's going on with that, with teams interfering with it. All of this is an issue that we've got these ideas for legislation on it. That's what I hope they do. I think they probably come out of SEC spring meetings with one of those things. And that one thing is probably going to be scheduled. I'm curious going to be uh, to see what it is. 
Well, that and the the name image likeness conversation will dominate. It's how in depth are they willing to go with trying to push whatever Commissioner Sankey is lobbying for on Capitol Hill? Like he was there three weeks ago. Whatever that discussion entailed and the feedback that he received from the federal level on legislation, and now he's taking that back to their presidents and their athletic directors to discuss and forming the, the concept of regulation in an NIL world where it's very difficult not to be worried about being sued or being taken to a courtroom, right? Like there's, there's, there's going to be news on that regard, on that front, that will shape how other conferences will follow suit.